Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at relevantradio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello once again. Glad to have you here for this hour of The Inner Life, our program dedicated to spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. So what are some of the first things that you remember memorizing when you were a child? Something that maybe was a tiny bit longer, you know, more than just ABCs or something like that. A little longer, but you were expected to know it word for word. If you grew up in the church, maybe what age were you when you learned to recite and pray the Our Father or the Hail Mary? Or at school, maybe it was learning the Pledge of Allegiance. It was first grade in my school when we started to learn the Pledge of Allegiance. In our classroom, in the front corner of the room mounted up on the wall, we had a U.S. flag there. And all of us, we would stand up next to our desks right hands over our hearts, and we would begin each day by reciting the pledge. And it didn't take very long to learn it, and soon all of us, each student, had the pledge memorized. Now, maybe our teacher did try and explain a little of what we were actually saying in the Pledge of Allegiance, but I don't remember it. I don't remember any sort of explanation that was given. All of us first-grade school children We knew what we were supposed to say, all of the words in the proper order, but I really doubt that any of us knew what we were saying. We were speaking the words out of habit or routine, you know, what was expected of us. At six years old, I know I didn't have any idea of what the word allegiance meant. I might have had this vague idea of what it meant to make a pledge, something along the lines of a promise, but... That would have been extremely basic if I really knew what that meant at all. I definitely didn't know what a republic was or what that meant regarding our form of representative government here in the U.S. Indivisible, that's another word that was just spoken at the proper place when we were all reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. And I think this kind of thing happens more often than we realize, not just as kids, You know, using a word regularly, but we don't think about the meaning of that word. It could be that you or I, we don't know what that word really means. Or perhaps, and I think this, for most adults, this is more likely the case. Do you use a word, and because you use it so often without thinking about it, you don't give any real thought to the real meaning of what you've just said. 
Yeah, words have meaning. I try to emphasize this to my kids regularly. It matters what words you choose, what words you say, how you communicate. But any of us, you or me, we can use words or phrases where we don't think about what that meaning is. We don't give much thought to what we're really saying in that moment. Now, I'd like you to think of some of the responses that you say during the Mass. Do you find yourself simply saying the words out of habit or routine? I'm sure at times all of us do that. But more often, do you think about what every response really is saying during the Mass? Paying attention to what we say is, of course, extremely important. But there might be something else at play when we say some of those responses at Mass. Have you ever learned why we say some of the, the things that we say at Mass? The meaning of those words, more than just what they say on the surface. Because the liturgy has meaning behind every word that is used. So if you and I, if we haven't been educated on what we're really saying in our responses, if we are ignorant of the significance of those words, then we're missing out on the depth, on the beauty of the liturgy. So today here on The Inner Life, we want to look at one of those phrases, the peace of Christ. And we want to take some time to understand what we're really saying when we offer that sign of Christ's peace to someone at Mass. And joining us as our spiritual director today for our conversation, Father Peter Marshall is back with us once again. Father Peter is a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's the pastor of St. Jude's Catholic Church there in Indianapolis. Father Peter, welcome back to The Inner Life. Hey, thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things where we hear these words really coming from Jesus himself, right before the crucifixion, and then again right after his resurrection, Jesus offers peace to the apostles. And we see this at the Last Supper. Um, This is kind of what we hear at Mass, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do Mm -hmm. I give it to you. So maybe we can start off by talking about what peace really is. Most of the time, I think, it's common for us to think of peace in a global setting, maybe, or, you know, mm-hmm. domestically, war, fighting, arguing. So peace, as the world gives, might be the absence of these sort of conflicts. But when Jesus is talking about peace here, uh, what is he talking about? Peace, not as the world gives. Yeah, Great question. I, I think that there's two levels, as there often or maybe even always is when Christ is speaking. And one is uh, an interior reality that can be and is uh, present for us now. And then the other is a reality of the, when the kingdom comes in its fullness. And uh, I think that the, the future reality when the kingdom comes in its fullness is uh, a perfection of both the peace as the world gives, as you say, kind of an absence of war or violence, and the fullness and lasting of the interior peace, which many of us 
experience maybe in a in a transitory way uh, here in this life. Well, so maybe we can talk about these a little more in depth as you're saying this. That interior piece, um, let's let's take that secondarily because that's going sure. to be the one where I think we're going to spend more time. You know, that that's the one, even though, as yeah. you say, it might be transitory. It might be, you know, kind of coming and going at different points in our life where we experience that. The That'll be the one that's, I think, more applicable to ourselves here and now. Looking ahead. When the kingdom yeah. comes where Jesus establishes his kingdom here on earth and there is, we're taken into heaven, you know, there, there's all of that that happens at the end times and that peace that we are looking ahead to, um, what, what are the things that I guess that should inform us right now? Uh, you know, the, uh, the main one that comes to mind is, in the Our Father, when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy right. will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we're kind of maybe praying for that peace to come about as soon as you know it, it possibly can, whatever God's perfect timing is. Right, right. I think also we, we look at uh, what's sometimes called uh, the high priestly prayer of Jesus in the Gospel of John, where he also prays to the Father, that we, his disciples, would be one as Jesus and the Father are one. And there's a, a unity there that ought to mark uh, Christians, a, uh, a recognition that the, the, what binds us is stronger and more real than what would separate us. And uh, I think that is also... A, a mark that will be perfected and realized in the kingdom because sin that sin is always divisive and sin will be gone and uh, there will be no divisions between us or or between us and nature or between us and God uh, in in the kingdom that comes. As you're saying that, I'm thinking, of course, we have so many divisions. You're talking about even with the natural world around us, but yeah. just within Christianity itself, let alone all the other right. religions that are out there in the world, in Christianity itself, we have so many divisions. You know, the, the right. early division of East and West, and then, mm -hmm. of course, after... Martin Luther and the other reformers, the, the uh, Protestant uh, Reformation that happened, and all these splinterings that, that come about, yet at the same time, we hold to Jesus' words that um, I will build my church and the, you know, the, that the gates of hell will not overcome this right. church that Jesus establishes. How, how do we look then at a splintered fractured, uh, fractured Christianity. And yeah, I go oh, ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I think that we have to view it as a failure and it's our failure. Of course, it's not, uh, God's failure, but it's our failure to live, um, as, as virtuously or as perfectly as we might have, uh, as Christ intended us to do. 
So how do we reclaim that unity? I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to then. How do we reclaim that unity so that we can find that peace that the kingdom of God promises us, that we can begin to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Yeah, I think the, the church asks us to recognize, um, you know, Vatican II refers to other Christians outside the Catholic communion as as our separated brothers and sisters. And uh, it starts with that real familial recognition. And, uh, you know, we all have family members that perhaps we're not as close to or uh, that we have disagreements with, but we still recognize them and treat them as family. And I think that's a good starting place for us uh, to say, hey, these aren't, um, these aren't strangers to us. These aren't crazy people. These are family. And uh, while we want to call them into full communion, we start by recognizing and treating them uh, as family. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, if, if we really believe that we all are serving the same God, we believe in the same right. Jesus, there is that bond there that we share. And there's so much that we do have in common. Um, yes. And, and it is a great starting point, um, you know, and that's not to say that we then water down or don't hold fast to those things that really are important for the faith, the things that we say are, you know, that, that, that make for the authentic marks and understanding of, of why we hold the Catholic Church as being the true church, you know, the fullness right. of the faith. Right. Um, but it still does give us a great starting point. Uh, Father, I want to also open up the phone lines here as we're talking sure. today. Uh, our spiritual director, Father Peter Marshall, he's a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, talking about that peace that we receive from Christ. What does that mean to have the peace of Christ? Maybe uh, you feel like that peace is lacking in your life, and you're somebody who goes to Mass, you're somebody who prays, but that peace seems to not be there, and you'd like to talk with Father Peter, you're welcome to call in, 888-914-9149 is our phone number here. Maybe you have experienced that peace of Christ. It helped you through a difficult time, and how did experiencing that peace, even in the face of really difficult circumstances, not knowing how things might turn out, how did it help to strengthen your faith, your trust in Jesus, to calm your fears, your anxieties? We'd love to hear your story. 888-914-9149. So, Father, talked a little about that piece that we look ahead to, you know, as you, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, kind of this two, these two different areas that we might consider when we talk about the peace of Christ. The other, the interior peace that we can experience right now. I mentioned as we began speaking, Jesus says those words, uh, my peace I give to you or peace be with you. He, he says it, imparts that to his apostles right before his passion and crucifixion, but then he also right. says it immediately after. And you mentioned, you know, John's gospel, the high priestly prayer. Well, John's gospel also tells that on that Easter Sunday, that when Jesus mm-hmm. has just resurrected earlier that morning, that same evening, he comes into the room where the disciples are locked up. And John tells us, he says, they were inside, the doors are shut up, they're trying to, you know, just take refuge there. And he says it's for fear of the Jews. 
You know, they're they're yeah. still afraid that what happened to Jesus, the incredible beating that he went through, and then, of course, being executed publicly, humiliated, that might be still in store for them. And then Jesus comes into this locked-up room, and the very first words he says are, peace be with you. And of all the things that Jesus could have said to them, he says that. He says, peace be with you. He actually says it twice in this encounter. What should we recognize? What's the significance of this that he has this as his initial greeting when all the apostles, minus Thomas, are all gathered there? Yeah, uh, uh, excellent question. And I think that uh, I think there's a slight difference between the two uses of the same phrase there. I think the first one is uh, a greeting. It's also an instruction uh, that that this is this is the beginning of the kingdom, that with the resurrection, um, the kingdom of God has, has really begun here. And remember that we, we often say in the church that at Holy Thursday, uh, that was kind of the ordination moment of uh, the apostles, uh, and Christ shared the Last Supper with them, the, this is my body, this is my blood, which would yet to become into fulfillment the following day, right? Um, but now here we are after the resurrection, and he's, he's strengthening and deepening that reality that we live now in a, a new world, that sin is not victorious anymore, but rather Christ and his power over life and death. And so we don't live in fear anymore, but we can live in peace. You know, he also, at this moment, says, receive the Holy Spirit. You're talking about kind of a new right. world, a new reality. And yeah. even though Pentecost is still a ways off here for the apostles, he still says, receive the Holy Spirit. Can you talk about how the Holy Spirit is so crucial for our, our encountering that peace here and now? Yeah, I think we we encounter the the third person of the Trinity, the the Holy Spirit, in a way that is um, Scripture often and the tradition often speak of it as kind of an indwelling. That this is the the presence of God within each of us, made possible by baptism, by the setting free from original sin. It's a. It's the Holy Spirit brings to us an intimacy uh, with God that wasn't possible uh, before uh, Christ, and uh, Christ becoming one of us brings God to humanity in a new way. Uh, maybe after the break, we can look at a few other places in Scripture, some of the different things that we see when it comes to peace, as we try to unpack this a little bit more. And again, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, Father Peter Marshall, he is the pastor of St. Jude's Catholic Church in Indianapolis, and talking about the peace of Christ, what that really is, what that means when we say that, when we greet each other with the peace of Christ at Mass, that those aren't just words, it's not just a quick hello, nice to see you here. <laughs> 
this morning at Mass, what are we really saying? And how about you? Have you experienced that peace of Christ in your life? Have you had that transforming peace that casts out fear, that casts out anxiety? How has that manifested itself in your relationship with God? Maybe that's something that is lacking. You just don't have that peace in your life. The fear, the anxiety, they seem to be the things in control. And you'd like some insight, some advice, some encouragement. You can call in and speak with Father Peter, 888-914-9149, You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society, not available in all states. We got a half piece to keep the world alive and want to cease. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today we're talking about the peace of Christ and speaking with Father Peter Marshall, a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. And one of the ways that, of course, that we have peace in our life is through prayer. And if uh, you are not aware, this month of October, it's the month of the rosary. And if you are not praying the rosary on a daily basis, I would really encourage you to make that part of your daily prayer life, your daily prayer uh, routine. Um, it really will help bring about that peace, that comfort, being able to truly rest in God. And one of the great ways that you can participate in that, if you're not used to praying the rosary, I'd invite you to pray with Father Rocky uh, every evening on the Family Rosary Across America. Every evening, 7 o'clock Central, you can join. It's seven days a week, and it's a great way to kind of jump into praying the rosary, um, and and you can be praying with so many other thousands of people around the country, even around the world. Uh, if that time doesn't work for you, I'd encourage you to just pray on your own. You can find audio prayers that you can pray along with on the relevant radio app. If you have questions about, well, what are the prayers? In what order do I go? Uh, those sorts of things. You can find all of that in the uh, instructions. There, There's all kinds of information in the relevant radio app, you just go to the upper right-hand corner. There's a little button that says pray. And if you drop that down and look under devotions, you'll find information about the rosary there. But again, if you can join Father Rocky, great place to pray together as a virtual faith community united with believers all around the world. And that's every evening at 7 o'clock Central here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Uh, again, Father Peter Marshall, our spiritual director today. And if you'd like to call in as we're talking about the peace of Christ, you're welcome to join the conversation at 888 888- 914-9149-888-914-9149. So, Father, let's talk about some other things that we see in Scripture when we talk about peace. And yeah. one of the ones that I remember hearing when I was younger, it's St. Paul. He's writing in his letter to the Philippians, and he says, Have no anxiety at all. 
But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this peace that surpasses all understanding, um, mm-hmm. you know, that that's one of those, <laughs> we're having a conversation trying to understand the peace of Christ. <laughs> Paul's telling us it surpasses all understanding. You know, <laughs> how do we kind of uh, look at this and say, well, we want to understand it, but at the same time, are we going to understand it? Do we just accept it as a gift from God and just leave it at that? I think we do need to accept it as a gift from God. But I also think St. Paul is uh, partially talking about like a, a logic chart here, if you will. That is, the circumstances of our life might be out of control, and yet we feel peace. And there's no way to understand why we feel peace other than it's a gift from God. So, I mean, what you're really talking about is just kind of that um, that paradox that we experience yeah. in the Christian life. How can you be joyful when you're suffering? How can you right. have peace when everything around you should be pointing to that you do have anxiety and fear, and you shouldn't be yeah. thankful? You shouldn't, you know, if God is bringing this upon you, why are you still loyal to a God? And yet... When we experience that peace and we grow in trust and we we have that, that that's what it sounds like you're saying, that paradox. Yeah, it's related. We have this as one of our Sunday Mass readings maybe two weeks ago. St. Paul to Timothy says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or right. of cowardice, but rather of love and of power and of self-control. In other words... It's fear never comes from God, but rather peace comes from God. So as you're talking about this, I think it's very natural for us then to say, okay, this sounds great. I want that peace. What do, what do I do? But then, you know, this is peace given from God and it's when we're united with Christ is there anything we can do other than just simply pray and ask for this peace in our lives? Is there anything that we can, we can bring about, um, you know, by actions other than prayer? I think um, in some way, prayer is the preeminent way because prayer unites us with God, right? It takes us spiritually into the presence of God. Um, But I also think the rest of the Catholic life lines up with that, that that if we are living a life of discipleship focused on prayer and our relationship with God, we're we're in a position to receive the gifts of God, as opposed to if we're pursuing our own agenda, if we're uh, carelessly committing sin, um, those kinds of things. That that takes us out of the the life of grace and makes it more difficult for us to be open to and to receive the gifts of God. Yeah, uh, Father, let's go to the phones. Um, we've yeah. got Angelica who's calling in from Merced, California. Hi, Angelica. You're on the air with Father Peter. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, So I was wondering for someone who struggles with anxiety, what is the best way to 
um, pray for the Holy Spirit and just pray for his involvement in your life. Thank you. Great question. Um, There are multiple prayers or novenas to the Holy Spirit that um, an easy Google search could could bring for you, Angelica. I think um, that uh, don't overcomplicate it. It doesn't have to be uh, mystical or or anything particular. James tells us that if if we need something to ask of God and God will be generous to us. Um, and then I think also to repeat to yourself in times of anxiety, the truth that you know about God, that God is in control and that God does love you and God is present with you. Um, and um, th- those are the things that we can do to make our hearts more open to, to receiving God's grace. Angelica, great call. Good question. Um, you know, following up on that, Father, too, and I, I don't know, you know, as Angelica is saying, I struggle with anxiety. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly to what degree that might be. How do you know where it is a matter of, okay, this is just anxiety that every average person might face during their Christian walk, during their spiritual journey? Or if this is really going into an area where that anxiety might need to be brought into a setting of counseling, of therapy, how can you differentiate that this is something that really does need maybe that professional setting and that help? Yeah, yeah, good question. I think one of the, the things that I use both in my life and in my ministry is how is this anxiety affecting my life? That is, am I feeling anxiety, but I'm still able to do what I need to do? Or am I feeling anxiety and it's becoming increasingly difficult or even impossible to do what I need to do to get to church or to get to work or to take care of myself and look at how it's affecting our lives, if that makes sense. And so just depending on if it's something that's impacting a lot of areas, it might be something you bring to uh, that a therapy. Yeah, that ask, right. ask that counselor for assistance. If it's something where it's not, I just deal with anxiety in my own life, but I can kind of still get through all the things I need to get through, right. then maybe I, I'm okay to just see right. how can I grow in really turning this over to God. Right. Good. So, Father, let's also talk about, um, as you were talking about that paradox, it made me think of another aspect of where we seem to have a little contradiction in what Mm -hmm. Jesus says here. Jesus has the title, the Prince of Peace. Right. But he also says things like, do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have come to bring not peace, but the sword. And he talks about setting a man against his father, a daughter against her, her mother. So it sounds like we've got this contradiction that's happening here. Can you kind of help us understand Jesus being the Prince of Peace, what he's really saying at this point where he says, I've not come to bring peace? Right. Uh, I think in some ways Jesus is being more descriptive of the reality that occurs when we begin to put him above everything else in our life. And that is that 
when we put Christ first and we start to sacrifice things uh, in order to keep that relationship primary, then other people who are perhaps still struggling uh, with other sins in their lives will will react strongly and sometimes even violently uh, to the conviction of the Spirit by seeing our example of virtue. Um, it doesn't always mean we're right. This is an easy mistake to fall into, that if other people are upset at us, we must be doing something right. But it is Christ saying, look, if you put me first, the world doesn't recognize me as king, and and the world uh, will uh, react strongly to uh, being called out for its sin. Yeah, you know, that also, I think, goes back to where Jesus is talking about seeking his kingdom first. And you said, you yeah. know, is this a matter where we can really allow God to be in control of our lives? And if he says, you know, don't worry about, and this goes back to that fear and that anxiety, don't worry about the clothes, you know, what are we to wear? What right. are we to eat or drink? Seek God's kingdom first. And then all those other things will be taken care of alongside that. But that that's a really tough order. We talk about that issue of trust so often here during this hour. If, if there's really two things that I think we spend more time on during this hour of the inner life than anything else, it would be how we can experience a deeper relationship in prayer with God. And the second part would be how do we grow in trust and allow ourselves to not have to, I guess not even just allow, how do we get ourselves out of the way so that we don't right. feel we have to be in control and we really do turn it all over to God and say, it's okay, I will give this to you. Right, right. I think um, choose something small in the beginning uh, that we can keep to as a commitment. Something like my morning prayer time will be at 630 and kind of almost come hell or high water, I'm going to be in prayer at 6.30, even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. But I'm placing Christ first, and uh, the snooze button or a holiday or a vacation, nothing comes before that morning time with Christ. Mm. So, and, And once we get a foundation there, then we begin to uncover other opportunities where we can choose to put Christ first, but really find a way that we can solidly practice that. Um, I think sometimes our, our instinct is to go all in right at the beginning, and then we stumble and fall and we give up on the whole project. So it's important to choose a way that is very, very doable at the beginning and grow in Christ rather than be, you know, Mother Teresa tomorrow. <laughs> right. right. Uh, yeah. No, and I think that's such great advice, too, that start with something small, something that is manageable at the beginning. But as you're saying this, you know, starting with that prayer in the morning, I'm also thinking, you know, where you can say, okay, God, where are those small moments that I can trust you today and point those out to me. But the importance then of also doing kind of a look back at the end of the day, that evening review where you can say, Mm -hmm. okay, God, where were you asking me to trust you? 
And did right. I do it? Was was I successful in seeing those moments? Or is that something where, okay, tomorrow I'll make that resolve again and please help me as I'm just starting out here that you can make those those little moments where I can trust you, make those more apparent. Right. That's the uh, that's the foundational spiritual practice of Ignatius, right? The the daily right. examine to look and say it, it's not about sin per se. It's about where was the invitation from God to grow closer to him? And then what was my response in that invitation? Talking with Father Peter Marshall today here on The Inner Life, and we're talking about experiencing, finding, encountering that peace that God wants to give us, the peace of Christ. And is that peace lacking in your life? Is that fear? Is that anxiety? Is it the thing that has hold of you? Or are you looking for those opportunities where you can grow in trust, that you can experience that peace? Uh, Maybe you've experienced that peace in your own life. Maybe there was a difficult time that you were going through, something where at first You just didn't know how you were going to make it through, but you were able to say, okay, I'm going to trust you, God. And even in the face of that difficulty, whatever it was, not knowing how things would turn out in the end, how did that help you? Experiencing that peace, turning things over to God, how did it help you to strengthen your faith, strengthen your trust in God? 888-914-9149 is the phone number to call in and join the program. 888-914-9149. Father, when we come back, let's talk about when we actually have that greeting in Mass and what we're saying, what we're doing. Uh, we'll, We'll continue that here right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for joining us for this hour of The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engesser, our producers here behind the scenes for the show today. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm speaking with Father Peter Marshall. He is the pastor of St. Jude's Catholic Church in Indianapolis, today talking about the peace of Christ. And if you have a question about the peace of Christ, uh, you know, what we mean when we say that at Mass, maybe you have been listening and you're thinking, wow, you know, this peace, it sounds good in theory, but boy, I have a lot of fear. I have a lot of anxiety in my life, uh, or I experience a lot of conflict, whether that's in the workplace or at home. And that peace, it seems elusive, seems like something I will never have in my life and you'd like some advice, some insight on how you can encounter that peace that we've been talking about, that peace that's not what the world gives, but that peace that surpasses all understanding. And you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Peter, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. So, Father, let's talk about at Mass. We have that point where we greet each other with the sign of peace, and more than just saying hello, more than just shaking somebody's hand, what are we actually saying when we turn to the person next to us and we say, peace be with you? Right. So I think scripturally, we understand this in the context of Christ's teaching that uh, if there is a conflict between us, we leave our, our offering at the altar before it's offered and go and make sure 
interestingly, that the other person doesn't have a, a reason for disunity with us, right? That that we are seeking, in in other words, forgiveness, right, uh, be, from our brother before we can worthily offer our sacrifice on the altar. And so at Mass, when we exchange that, what we are saying to the other person is, you have nothing to worry about. I have, I have, I'm not holding anything against you. I think that's really important. You know, you're talking about that. It comes from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is speaking, and he's saying, you know, if you're approaching the altar, if you are bringing your gift, and we approach the altar, you know, we bring ourselves mm-hmm. as a gift, um, and we receive the gift of Jesus himself. But he, yeah, he says, if you have anything, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled right. to your brother or your sister, and then come and offer your gift. And I think that it really helps to give context as to where this is in the place of the Mass, because otherwise... Yeah. If we don't have that understanding, you know, we've been kneeling during the this miraculous moment where the words of consecration are prayed over the bread and wine. They become the body and blood, the soul and divinity of Jesus. We've had this beautiful Trinitarian prayer, the you know, that's usually chanted melodically through mm-hmm. him, with him, in him. Uh, you know, then we we see the Eucharist lifted up. We all proclaim this great Amen. We pray the words Jesus gave us Himself and the Our Father. But then there's this greeting of peace, and it can seem like it's out of place or it stalls what's building up to, Mm -hmm. then right after that, we we pray, Lamb of God, we kneel down and we say, we're not worthy to receive you. And so if we don't have that context of why are we saying, peace be with you, it it almost seems like, well, why why would it ever be placed at this moment? It seems to derail everything that's happening. Yes, but it's... properly understood and properly done, right? It's not a a moment for kind of carrying on and uh, making a big deal. It's a solemn moment of saying you can go to the altar worthily because there's nothing between us. Yeah. And, and that puts a very different kind of light on that moment than a celebration of community. And that's so important for families, I think, because I know in our own family, for whatever reason, something comes up, you know, before mass and we're racing out the door and then, you know, tensions get a little high and we're, (laughs) we're driving there and you walk into mass and there's that kind of just, oh, okay, we're supposed to smile and be this happy Christian family. But right, right. but we know what just happened as we were walking yeah. out the door from the house. You know, somebody was running late and making all of us late, or somebody else said something that just rubbed another, you know, sibling or another person the wrong way. And then you come to this moment, this, you know, the peace of Christ be with you. And if we really have that understanding, it means, okay, all right, let's put that behind us. And let's make sure right. that you and I can be united as we both go forward to receive Christ. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Father, let's also talk about um, how we then can be people who carry the peace of Christ out into the world. You know, we've we've hit on a couple of things 
in the Sermon on the Mount now. At the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, we have the Beatitudes. One of those is where Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So how do we then, if we experience this peace at Mass that we exchange between each other, there's nothing that we that, that we are holding against that person, that they may approach and receive Christ in the Eucharist. We experience that peace in our own life that St. Paul talks about, the, the peace that surpasses understanding. What are some ways that we can then be those peacemakers, that we can share this with others when we encounter them? Yeah, I, I think that's a really important question because we kind of have a vision that peacemakers are are doormats, right? That that they're conflict avoidant. But in reality, peacemakers are are people who bring this peace of Christ. We stand for what Christ stands for, uh, and we stand firm. Peacemakers are martyrs. Uh, peacemakers are. Uh, people of great courage who won't give up on their convictions, but they're they're so, I think, convinced of the reality of the kingdom that they are able to uh, bring that interior peace of Christ out into the world and offer it to others. It may not always be accepted. It may not even be always welcomed, but it's our calling to offer uh, that interior peace of Christ uh, to a world that that increasingly seems to need it. Do you think that kind of then goes hand in hand when Jesus sends out his apostles and he says, you know, if if you are going out and you're proclaiming the gospel message, you're proclaiming the good news, he yeah. says, if you if you encounter people who welcome you, great, stay there, work with them, dine with them, uh, evangelize essentially. Right. If they reject your message, don't don't worry about it. Just shake the dust off from your your feet, from your sandals, and move on. And is that the same right. sort of attitude you think we we need to have? That we are always willing to bring that peace into the world. But if it's not received, don't get hung up on it. That's okay. Just move on to the right. next opportunity you have. I think one of the the kind of important differences here is that, for example, I don't need to defend the church. I am often called to explain the church, and the, there's I don't. In other words, I don't need to get defensive and argumentative. I just need to simply say this is the truth the church possesses, and then let it go, because then it's God's work and not my work. You know, one other thing that might be good to talk about here, too, is when we really experience that peace from God, all that fear, all that anxiety, you know, maybe there was the conflict, whatever it is, those things keep you a prisoner. When you're able to let go of those things, uh, you know, there's such freedom. And maybe you can talk about the importance of forgiveness, going hand in hand with peace. You know, if we are unable to forgive someone, if we're holding on to that grudge, well, we we know from Jesus telling us, we pray it in the Our Father, um, but he he makes the point to draw that out after the prayer, that if we hold on to something, if we are unwilling to forgive someone else, it closes the doorway to receive God's forgiveness. And 
so we really we have to have that ability to forgive others yeah. to be in that state where we're going to receive God's forgiveness. And if we can't receive God's forgiveness, there's probably no chance for us to, to even begin to experience that peace. That's right. And I think an, an important help here that I've found is there's a distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. Yeah. And sometimes we can't reconcile with others for a lot of reasons. Maybe they've moved or they've died or they're just people that won't reconcile with us. However, I can still choose to forgive, even if that relationship is not restored or restorable. I can still choose to say, I forgive you. And then the other thing is, I think sometimes we need to forgive people over and over because the wounds are deep. And we may need to take a year of daily saying, I choose to forgive before we, we emotionally really can be in a place of freedom there. Yeah. Well, and that's one of those things where if there's that hurt that goes that deep, that we are constantly having to say that, it is. It's difficult at the beginning. It gets easier. Yes. Um, yes. Any any suggestions of saints that we might look to who live out that example, who can be uh, an encouragement, a, kind of a spiritual mentor for us when it comes to encountering the peace of Christ? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in the forgiveness context, you have, of course, uh, a lot of great martyrs, but one in particular that's always in my mind is St. Lawrence, who you know, can legend has it that as he's being uh, grilled over an open flame, it calls out that he's done on this side, right? That spirit of um, you can hurt the body, but you can't take my spirit and heart away from Christ. Yeah. Um, to just remind us that uh, keep, keep the ultimate things in view and, and keep pursuing them. Yeah, St. Stephen... Um, is another one yeah. that comes to mind as you're talking about, you know, people who are persecuting, but he then says, don't hold this sin against them, even as they're right. in the act of killing him. Uh, yeah. that, that's, those are, those are uh, difficult words to say, though, <laughs> to not they let, not let that hate and that anger overtake you in that moment. And yeah. uh, again, I would have to thank you know, that's, that comes down to being really in unity with God and allowing the Holy Absolutely. Spirit to work through you as a, uh, you're the vessel of God there in that moment. Uh, Father, our has been a great conversation, and it's almost up here. We've got about a minute left. Can I offer, ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you promise to bring us peace as we open ourselves ever more fully to your love. We ask that your blessing of peace would be upon all those who listen in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks so much, Father Peter Marshall, for being here with us today. And if you joined us late, go back and find the entire hour podcast at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. And I hope you can stay tuned for The Faith Explained. That's coming up next, followed by, I'm sorry, uh, The Mass is coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained. And then coming up tomorrow here on The Inner Life. We're going to talk about the Rosary. I mentioned it is the month of the Rosary. Tomorrow is the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Great day to talk about this 
traditional and beautiful prayer devotion. And of course, if you can, join in praying the rosary with others, Family Rosary Across America. That's every night, 7 o'clock, here on Relevant Radio.